Super Friends with Eric Esquivel. Welcome back to Super Friends with Eric Esquivel. I am joined today by Allison Tompkins, a.k.a. Isis. Hello. I'm so excited to have you here today. We're talking Smallville, which might be the best Superman thing of all time. It might be. So let's talk about... into comics. Yes, yes, that's awesome. All right, so... You weren't a Superman fan before Smallville, right? I didn't know anything about Superman or oh, so anything good. before going into Smallville, which is crazy because my dad is such a DC super nerd. Mm-hmm. So after I found Smallville and found comics, he was so excited to like for me to join him in that, and he didn't even have to push me into it because it, it sold me. It's a great outreach tool for teenagers who are looking for like a romance soap, and then they right. get suckered into comics <laughs> for their lives. Right now you're wearing a Wonder Woman outfit. We're talking Suicide Squad. You're very much in the comic book community now. I would like to think so. Yes. Very cool. So let's talk about the first time you saw um, the world's most fantastic TV show, which is Smallville. Oh, the first time was the episode Crimson. Hell yeah. Uh, season six, episode 13. Yeah. Um, oh, you memorized that. She I... has no notes. This is the biggest Smallville nerd I've ever seen in my life. I'm so I memorized excited. it when you asked me, and it was so embarrassing to realize that <laughs> 10 years later, how much it sticks with me. Um yeah, there's just so much. There's not even an actual like Superman villain in it. There's no villain. If anything, Clark Kent is the villain. There's all he's on Red Kryptonite. Oh, there's all this romantic oh, tension. Shit. It's yeah. Lana and Lex's engagement party. It's a great episode. Let's talk <laughs> Smallville in general for a minute. So, so you got in at season six. There are ten years of this show, right. and you got in at year six, but yes. you were still compelled to keep watching. Okay, so here's what happened, embarrassingly. I was 13. I had just moved to Culver City, and I moved from uh, Redlands. Okay. And I had moved so much as a kid, I was just like, I don't want to make friends again just to not have friends when I move again. So, like, I found Smallville and I immersed myself in it. And I was like, these are my friends now. It's so much better than a real actual (laughs) championship. Totally. But then. Actually, funnily enough, by like the beginning of season seven, I actually started making friends. So I kind of fell off for that. Oh no, you bowed out. I did. Oh man, had a social life. Shame on me. Traitor. Um, but rediscovered it last year to watch the because end. Because you of the got series. lonely again. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Let's get deep. I want you to cry. <laughs> All right. So, and the show was created by Alfred Go and Miles Miller, and they also wrote the Spider-Man Two movie. Did they really? Yeah, which oh. is the best one in my opinion. Yeah, that was a good one. They write red and blue guys very well. That's the <laughs> thing. And also Lethal Weapon 4, they worked on that. Mm-hmm. And before, uh, <laughs> like Mason gave us the Maso Manos hand symbol. <laughs> uh, but, and before they wrote Smallville, they actually pitched a series called Bruce Wayne. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's how this started. Was I'm trying to pr- uh, do a Batman show because he's an easy sell because everybody likes Batman because right. they're lame. <laughs> So, uh, and then uh, it got pretty far, but then Darren Aronofsky, who made like Black Swan and stuff, was going to make a Batman Year One movie. And then they were like, all right, so we can't do any, we don't want to repeat ourselves. So you can't do a Batman. So who else? And they, Superman was like their second choice, which makes Mm -hmm. me die inside a little bit. (laughs) But it's still a really great show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Darren Aronofsky would be tough competition for Batman. I feel like he could do a really good dark psychological thriller with that. Why did that never happen? I'll send you the script after this because he co-wrote it with Frank Miller and it is like, it's insane. Batman's like a poor guy who works in a garage and his dad is named Big Al because it's Alfred and he's like this black dude and it's Uh, super awesome. (laughs) I'll mail it to you after this. Please do. This will be a tangent podcast. We'll talk about Darren Aronofsky (laughs) and his body of work. But yeah, initially it was called uh, Bruce Wayne and now it's Superman. And uh, it, it had... The pilot set a rating with the network. It had 8.4 million viewers. 
Jeez. Because it's Superman. Yeah. And the people showed up. Do you remember the marketing? It was like 2000, you know, you had to watch it when it was airing. You couldn't watch it on Hulu the next day. There's that many people wanted to see that Superman pilot. October 16th, 2001. Do you remember the posters for Smallville when it first came out? I know you weren't a season one fan. when I was uh, six. (laughs) Oh my God. Not so much. (laughs) I'm so old. I'm going to die in like five minutes. So it was Clark crucified. It was oh, like, in the cornfield. Yeah, with an S on right. his chest, spray yes. painted. And it was really controversial. So everyone was like, oh, they're not really good. Yeah, it's the Christ symbolism. I bet, right, because um, Zack Snyder laid really heavy on that, but it wasn't yeah. such a new idea. So for that to be the first time seeing this like Superman-Jesus parallel mm-hmm. must have been kind of intense. I think it was a combination <laughs> of, of that, what you just said, and also that it was on Tom Welling, who's a hot underwear model. And that was his thing, right, before Clark yeah. As a young lady, did that speak to you at all? Tom Welling? Tom Welling's abs. Oh, oh, oh my God. In seventh grade, I um, or eighth grade, we had to like write a mock letter to a famous person, and I chose and Tom Welling abs. because I was just so in love with him. <sighs> and now he's like totally not my type, but he's just like this very, you know, Superman-esque, like aliens think this is the proper form for a human <laughs> sure, man. Like sure. he's very cookie cutter. All-American guy. Did um, you bring that letter? <laughs> oh, gosh, no. Oh, my God. Do you remember anything from it? Can we just pretend that you did? We can edit oh, this out. Yes. And be like, oh, yeah. Tom Welling. <laughs> we'll play like a sound effect, a flashback, like a harp playing and then you can, <laughs> in your eighth grade voice. Oh, man. What did you write Tom Welling? Uh, I, did you ask him something? Well, it was very like, <laughs> I don't think I professed my love or even my attraction to him. I was a very timid uh, middle schooler. That's but, classy. Uh, <laughs> it's a classy move. It was just very generic, like, hey, what's up? How's Canada? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, this show is about truth, justice, and the American way, and it filmed in Vancouver. Right. Which makes me also want to die. <laughs> and every once in a while, Lana's um, Canadian accent kind of <sighs> slips up. Kristen Kruk, you angel. <laughs> yeah, it was cool that she was uh, like not the white redhead character yeah sort of like did some like race blind casting a little bit definitely ross was a black dude and he wasn't in the comics and that was cool too yeah there's a there's like never any mexican people in any dc stuff ever unless they're called (laughs) el diablo and they have the power of an aztec god i actually i actually wanted to ask you a question about that yes because um in in justice 2 so i haven't really read any blue beetle comics Mm -hmm. or anything like that so you're Hispanic, right? Yeah, and And irish yeah immigrants on both sides so in injustice 2 jaime will like say sentences in English but then random words will be in Spanish mm. and I feel like that's almost more racist than not <laughs> including a Hispanic person like I'm I'm not a completely ignorant white person like I went to Culver High I was the ethnic minority mm. my nickname was white girl and there was very little confusion they were all Kryptonian except for you. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know uh like I do that sometimes like words that I learned in Spanish first are just Spanish to me like just right. random things like I always say nino and not kid and people laugh at me all the time. There's like a, like four words that I only say in Spanish. So I think everybody kind of has that who's like even a little bit bilingual. Okay. So there's know. some validity there. But it like just it seems so forced. It, I don't know. It super is. Yeah. Did you ever read Black Lightning? No. It's, it's a really well-meaning character, but he was, this, he was DC's first black superhero, basically. And uh, when he was in his normal daily life, he was a very educated man. He was a teacher. He spoke very eloquently. And when he was a superhero, he put on a fake afro. And spoke what the writer thought Ooh. was like street talk. <laughs> oh, no. so he was like, "Come over here, you turkeys!" <laughs> it was like, oh no! It was yeah, the worst. That's pretty bad. So comics are adorable. 
They mean yeah. well. <laughs> Sometimes. They mean Welling. Tom Welling <laughs> bringing it back to Smallville. Yeah, so this cast is great. I love Lex Luthor in the show. Oh, he's just amazing Michael for Rosenbaum. so many reasons. He's amazing because he's an incredible Lex Luthor. He's amazing because he's also an incredible voice of the Flash in the Justice League oh, animated that. series. Yeah. He's also awesome because he is um possessed by Zod at one point and mm-hmm. he's a really good Zod, so he's a good Lex Luthor, he's a good Zod, he's a good Flash. And even at one in one episode of the Justice League animated series, he's a good Flash possessed by Lex Luthor telepathically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also because I was so obsessed with Smallville and I watched the outtakes and all that, like he's such a goofy, silly dude. Like he does stand up comedy. Oh really? Yeah. He's like I get emails from the comedy store and he's there sometimes. And um but he was still just this amazing, like diabolical villain. Like even even when he's friends with Clark, you Mm. just see this really intense kind of intimidating side to him because sure, like, sure. whether he's being good or bad he's really good at it mm-hmm. and he's really intense with it you know he's like I'll pay all your medical bills or he's like I will capture all these people and do weird mutant experiments on them like yeah, there's yeah. no in between with him and, um, and they had a weird codependent relationship him and Clark which was like a fun thing to have go throughout 10 years because <laughs> right. Clark's always saving him from his own mistakes over and over again but right. then like Lex will yeah, financially help him out or he'll he'll give him some advice because he's like a little bit older than Clark, like three or he's, four years. Okay, he's uh, another comment. He's a little too old, like because Clark is like a freshman. Yeah, yeah. When they meet, so he's like fourteen, fifteen. Lex, by my estimation, is twenty, twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. Or something, and it's just so it's weird that creepy. he falls in with the freshman and all his freshman friends, and, <laughs> and then like just... bangs his girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> like he and Lana get engaged later on, me. and he knocks her up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she's at least legal by then. Like that relationship makes a little bit more sense. But him and the freshman boy doesn't quite make as much sense to me. Like I, I think get a lot that of ways, he Clark uh, represents like the youth that. That Lex never got right. Like, right, because like Clark has two parents yeah. who love him, and he's very like just and positive and pure. And Lex wishes he could go back and kind of re-record his own history, and he's right. doing it by hanging. So yeah, it is creepy. It is super <laughs> creepy. But that's a, that's a good point. I never thought about it like that because Lex is like bullied all through boarding school, mm-hmm. and his mom dies, and he just his dad's awful, really, and so he kind of has his childhood robbed from him. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, oh, I can kind of go back a little bit and uh, start from the ground with this. Uh, High school kids so who saved my life. Awkward, so awkward. And I love that, um, like Clark keeps saving him over and over again because it's a TV show and that's what has to happen. <laughs> but then Lex starts becoming. He starts thinking he's a living god because he, he doesn't know that Superman's right. saving him. Superman just does it so fast that it's a blur. So he's like, "I'm being spared by fate for a greater destiny. Like I can't be killed." And he'll like walk off a bridge, and Clark will save him and be like, "See, I'm the new Jesus. <laughs> I'm the new." And it's like it's amazing. That's such a great way to have that character be a like an egomaniac. Totally, because well, because there is even some kind of indirect evidence to back him up. Like they, there's one episode where they find there's like an abnormally high white blood cell count in mm-hmm. Lex. And it's like, that's not obviously not what saved him from the car crash where Clark pulled him out and um, all the other times Clark saved him. But he's like, you know, I have never been sick and, you know, I'm never dying, even though I always seem like I'm going to. Mm -hmm. And like, that's so what Lex Luthor is. Like, he really thinks he's a kind of God among men, which is um, it's emphasized by both like him being possessed by Zod, Mm -hmm. I think, in Smallville and then him. Uh, being possessed by Brainiac in the Justice League animated series because he sees what it's like to be this superhuman alien entity and he's like, I was special, I was chosen for that. And then 
past that point he can never go back, which I think is where a lot of his like maniacness comes from. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know the term a foil? The literary term foil. Only it, the math term. <laughs> so it means like like a the Spider-Man to a Venom, or it's it's like a character that shows um, the path our hero could have gone down, but then they, they oh, don't. Okay. So they're like complete polar opposites, but it shows your character like. You, he learns from their mistake, basically. Right. And, like, at one point in this show, a foil's also a fencing sword, and Lex, like, literally gives Clark a foil. <laughs> right. It's, it's He's like, like every hero needs one, or something yeah, every, yes, like that. Yes, I think exactly. I saw that episode Every recently. hero needs a foil, and, like, oh, it's the least subtle <laughs> right. writing. But as a little writer nerd, I was really excited right. that they're using yeah. it. Like, oh, no, it's a brilliant show, it. but, like, the writing, the sets, the soundtrack, all of it, but, um... Shit, I forgot... <laughs> Oh, okay. So, I mean, watching the show as an adult now and just seeing the abuse that like his dad Mm -hmm. and business competitors and just people about Smallville and even the women he falls in love with, like seeing the way they really like abuse and torture him. It's like, how did he not go so evil so much earlier? Mm -hmm. And um, Clark just never has to deal with that. Like, who's to say if he dealt with an abusive, manipulative father that he wouldn't have gone down the Lex Luthor path of evil and deception. It's an interesting theme for the show, for sure, because I kind of feel like Superman has. Like, Lex, sure, he got pushed into a locker in the ninth grade, but Clark's whole fucking planet exploded. So Superman chooses not to dwell on his darkness, (laughs) where maybe there's more darkness in his past than Lex, but Lex sort of, like, makes it his identity. He's like, I'm going to wear a black suit and... I'm gonna Trench coat. listen to the Smiths and be all mopey <laughs> about it. And Clark's like, yeah, it's like Clark's actually getting in fist fights with demons and stuff. And Lex is like, someone give me a parking ticket. The whole world's against me. I swear to God. And that like, is an episode. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> he bashes in the headlights. That's how he meets his a uh, uh, evil soon to be wife. Oh my God, Smallville's so good. Just you saying that sentence is the best thing. <laughs> but yeah, the way he handles stress is like really wussy compared to Clark and that's very funny to me because he seems like the more macho guy. Right. And I get what you're saying. I just can't pinpoint if it's one or the other. Like, mm-hmm. is it worse stress or is it the way he handles it? It's really hard to pinpoint and I think that show does that on purpose which makes it really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, Clark, and Lex in this universe, um, he's bald because... Superman's because radioactive of, baby Yeah, carriage. because of him, yeah. <laughs> like The radioactivity from the meteor shower made his hair fall out, and that's why his white blood cell count is high, too. <laughs> right. And I like that that's the story engine in this show, because Kryptonite, in almost every episode, yeah. factors in some way. Especially in the first few seasons where it's like Freak of the Week, and mm-hmm. it's all tied back to like the meteor shower. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very... I think it's why the soap opera superhero thing works so well, because of the way... They intertwine fate, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of soap operas, but I assume there's a lot of like, oh, my sister had sex with my husband and like all this <laughs> fucked up shit. You and, um, you know, all their fates are intertwined, like Clark's meteor shower killed Lana's parents. And oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It made Lex bald and um, all that kind of fate intertwining is just works really well with superhero stuff because it's so destiny driven mm-hmm. in a way. Especially when we know where he's going in this. Right. Because we know these Superman. But there's the whole no tights, no flights rule from on high. <laughs> did you did you hear that? No. So like back in the day there was this guy who was in charge of the Superman franchise from Warner Brothers and his whole he like hated Superman, but it was his job to like shepherd this character. And he was like, No tights, no flights and he tried to do it in the, in the Kevin Smith movie that never happened. 
And then in this show, too, he's like, no tights, no flights. So that's why Superman okay. is just Clark Kent in this. Right. Which is actually the best thing that ever happened for the character. Cause it was really great. That, like, Superman is unrelatable and, and that, like, he's just a power set. And this, every episode was him being vulnerable and there's new emotional challenges. And... Right. And he's just in jeans and plaid. And <laughs> he's a lot more humanistic than a guy with his underwear over his tights. Yeah, yeah. I like that it's still color-coded, though. He's still I know. <laughs> that's... They really doubled down on the uh, on the primary colors, and they even reference it in the show. Yeah, he's the blue, red blue blur at one point. Right. Before Superman. Yeah. It's so good. So, <laughs> of this cast of characters, which ones did you relate to the most as a kid? Oh, dude, as a kid, I wanted to be Lana Lang. Like, I wanted, really? I wanted long hair. I wanted long nails. Like, I just thought she was such an angel <laughs> and such a goddess, and like. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's she's really great, and I really love when she starts like kicking ass and uh, like learning from Lex how to defend herself and mm-hmm. stuff. But she doesn't have as much personality as I thought she did. You oh, know? were you projecting when you were a kid? Kind of, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, there was some irrational, yeah, identification with her there. Um, but um, I don't know. I w- I would say now I kind of have a thing for bald guys. And oh I think God. it might. Vin Diesel <laughs> I think and... <laughs> it might draw back to uh, Michael Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor because oh, that's so good. That intensity, that um, that kind of really subtle maniacness is kind of hot on him. Like I don't even know if it's the baldness. It was just yeah. his personality. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny because I used to be so like soft spoken and shy, and mm-hmm. um, I can't help but think like the way my personality has evolved has a bit to do with looking up to Lois Lane. Oh, yeah? That's great. Like, I love that Like, character. wanting to be... It. And she's she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's why, like, Amy Adams' portrayal really didn't sit well with me. Because, like, it. my Lois Lane, like, from Smallville, uh, the Christopher Reeve movies, yeah. and then the black and white TV show, mm-hmm. like, she's obnoxious, borderline bitchy. Like, that's Lois Lane to me. Totally. And I love it. And... Amy Adams was just like, so yeah, I'm here in the Middle East <laughs> trying to get the story or whatever. And um, but I can't help but feel like my own personality development has been evolving towards this Lois Lane like reporter esque, very kind of outspoken. I and see that absolutely curious, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't always been like that. And um, I feel like as much I may not have realized it as a kid, but that's kind of what I want to be because that so wasn't who I was, and it just wasn't working for me. At the time. It's funny from being a soft-spoken nerd with no friends watching Smallville. <laughs> now you're wearing a Wonder Woman costume and you, uh, you're you a rapper. <laughs> and I'm a rapper. You perform yes. as Isis. That was your name, right? Right. Not the terrorist organization. Not the terrorist. But the, the goddess, goddess. That also appeared in Smallville. <laughs> Let's also... talk about the Isis part of your life because that's something I don't know anything about. I met you because I teach classes at Meltdown, writing right. classes, and you are my star pupil. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> um so I rapped as Isis because of a lot of reasons. So I, well, rap mainly came out of like going through a bad kind of breakup. And um, I felt very much like Isis in that she, uh, when Osiris is killed by Seth, she uh, runs all around the world trying to piece him back together and like looking for him and trying oh, to get wow. him back. And like, I was like, that's me. Like, that's what I do. I rip apart my whole world trying to get this one guy back and that's what I felt like at the time and also um, Isis is known as the lady with the magic power of words Mm -hmm. and so I was like that's what I want to be like I want my words to be magic I want my words to be powerful that's great I love Um, that yeah and she's like she's um, you know 
she's a friend to the servants. She's friend to the gods. Like she doesn't care who, what you are. I love how well thought out this is. I thought it was just. Oh, I, I put cool. a lot of thought into it, which is why it hurt so bad when it became a terrorist organization. <laughs> um, I'll call them ISIL just for you. Um, <laughs> where can we find your stuff online? Oh my! Um, you can find an angry cheerleader who had done too many drugs rapping on uh, soundcloud.com <laughs> slash Isis36, I believe is my... I'm so excited. I'm so... Can I haven't shared that link. Can one of your songs and play and... at the end of this? Oh, my. You should pick your favorite and email me a link to it. <laughs> I'll make it my ringtone and we'll play it at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, yikes. I just... I don't know. I I recorded so much in such, such a short period of time. And yeah. then the last song I recorded, like, I really, like... When I went to record, I scared myself a little bit because I had found, like, the power in my, like, really soft voice. And, like, oh. I've finally been able to tap into that. But then I just haven't been able to write ever since. Um, well, good thing you're in a kick-ass writing class. Right, right. So, do. yeah, so that's why that happened because, like, they're all, most of those songs are very angry and very uh, man-centric. <laughs> um and after I let go of that anger and just decided not to dwell on it, not to be bitter, like it was a lot harder for me to write rap. So I was like, maybe I have a good writer in me somewhere. Maybe I can channel this into fiction so I won't have to tap into such personal issues. You know, I can more just project them and abstract them sure, a sure. little bit. I think that's a, such a, a a key part of writing, though, is using your experiences. Right, which I don't I don't ever intend to shy away from that because I've certainly gotten a lot out of them. But um, you know, I don't want to like put them into really like explicit like striking words because sure, you know sure. they they strike me as much as they might strike a listener. Sure, so, sure. Um, well, like Smallville's all about high school drama and stuff, but, but it, the metaphors right. are giant doomsday monsters and meteor showers <laughs> right. and, and end of the world, like uh, hurricanes during uh, homecoming dances and stuff. So, <laughs> Very so you could write so, like that. Yeah. You could abstract it with these awesome like genre elements, but then right. some real stuff too. Because Smallville definitely has like a real emotion in there for sure. There's so many just romantic relationships and friendships and everything every episode, but anytime like there's always such a life or death situation at stake and um it's so unrealistic but there absolutely is like real life sentiment behind it absolutely i love that lana lang has a kryptonite necklace because it's i I wrote that down actually yes i was gonna say that (laughs) because it was the the meteor that killed her parents right so she wears it around her neck and then clark stutters and stumbles around her kryptonite and i'm like oh that's because she's his kryptonite (laughs) oh now i get it because she's his kryptonite it's so brilliant and um i just watched the episode where uh the one right before crimson where a phantom zoner comes and like transports him to this alternate reality where he's in a mental institution and mm-hmm. he doesn't have his powers and stuff like that's all just a delusion he's made up but they're dangling like Lana in front of him they're like or she's just like I just want you to get better just like have this you know electroshock therapy treatment and we can be together which is really like the zoner trying to steal his powers sure, sure. um but she even though they're not together like she is his weakness she is his kryptonite and um, women <laughs> Can't trust him. Bunch of Delilahs, temptresses. <laughs> and it's so hard for him to turn away from this because even with all the uh, the pain that his powers and his meteor showers cause. Oh, you're just you starting know, rapping right now. You're like, his powers <laughs> and his meteors. Oh, it's showers. coming back already. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for him to turn away from it because 
as much as he wants to serve his purpose of saving and stuff, you know, it's like, but Lana, she's mm. just so pretty and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that you're into Lois because Lois is a character oh, who gives him yeah. strength rather than like distracts and like brings right. him down and tempts them. Like Lois, he derives a lot of power from Lois Definitely. and she inspires them and she'll charge into battle first. And she's like, I'll die. I don't care. But he's like, and then he protects her. And he's, he's not yeah. saving her. She's willing to die for the cause of truth all the time. But he's right. Just and her she up. could maybe even save herself half the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's actually reminds me of something I want to say about Crimson because it's so interesting because they work so well when they finally get together in the mm-hmm. last season or two. But in this episode, they're attracted to each other, but they have to literally biochemically change who they are oh. to be romantically compatible. Like she has the uh, love potion, which transfers the red kryptonite to him. And they have this good chemistry after that, but they have to change who they both are. And it just, I think that does a good job of showing how much they grow together mm-hmm. over the next few seasons to end up being making sense for each other and sure, being sure. good for each other. So you're talking Crimson, your favorite episode. Let's just let's go into that. It seems like you're really passionate about that episode, and that's that awesome. Episode. It's really a Rosetta Stone for the whole series, right? We have <laughs> right. the Lois and Clark stuff. We have uh, uh, Chloe talking about her relationship to Clark. Chloe and Clark, Chloe and Jimmy, and Jimmy Olsen, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Lana witnesses Clark like doing some crazy supernatural stuff for the first time, really. So so give us a rundown right, of the episode. Right, right, yes. So um, it's a Valentine's Day thing. So right? Lois is sad over Green Arrow dumping her and ditching town basically so she uh men (laughs) superhero men (laughs) so jimmy and chloe kind of try to set clark and lois up Mm -hmm. and they're both like well no so lois goes this like psychic shaman lady calls out lois and is like are you a little down (laughs) on love star and she's also from the lois and clark 90s tv show it's a callback yeah go on that's awesome (laughs) so she gives her this lipstick and she's like you'll fall in love with the first man you see and for some reason Lois, who is not a particularly emotional person, thinks this is a good idea. Yeah, why would she do that? I like I, w- I would think that's the last thing you want if you're sad about love is to fall in love again. But I read um, it as her maybe mocking her, where she's like, sure, and she buys it. Right, yeah. I think it's just like, well, anything but this. Like, heartbreak's mm-hmm. boring as shit. Like, that's kind of how I picture Lois sure, thinking sure. about it. But um, so she puts the lipstick on, and she sees Clark, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm in love with Clark Kent. And... um just pursues him in this really uncharacteristic way. She dresses like provocatively for, Which means for a, the CW. A denim least. skirt. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see, High you boots. Can see her bra a little bit. It's <laughs> right. salacious. Right. Um, and she it, makes him a mix CD. A white snake mixtape, yes. I love that she's into like 80s power ballads. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so eccentric. Like for as as popular as White Snake was, it's still a very specialized interest, and um, that's like, just so her to have a really <laughs> specific taste in music. Couldn't it be more uh, further from from Lana too, who's like a, like a John Mayer? <laughs> Whenever she's on screen, yeah. they're just like Lifehouse. Your body is Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then you have White Snake with Lois Lane, like oh, this is a different breed of human being. This is totally exciting. different. Um, and so for a while, he's like, oh, this is weird. Like, she looks hot, but I just have to fend her off for a little bit. But then eventually she forces him into the phone booth because, you know, all newspaper offices have a phone booth oh, so indoors. So, I love Superman more than anything, you guys. <laughs> so she kisses him and there's red kryptonite in the lipstick and he um, he becomes all about it. Mm-hmm. Like, he becomes all about this... Uh, weird infatuation that they have going on and um there's little hints that like he's been repressing that earlier on because first of all like what, what you just said that she forced him into a phone booth he's superman 
<laughs> so how could she force him into a phone booth? He's Superman. So right. he, he like allows things to happen. Right, They're totally. Like hints that he was into, he's into Lois. Definitely. Because yeah. even when she's like coming on to him, because they have such a funny relationship um, the first two seasons she's in the show because it's very juvenile almost like they're always like taking kind of playground uh snaps at each other sure sure i think he's uncomfortable being around a woman that doesn't he doesn't have to save all the time right like she's aggressively giving him crap all the time and he's not all over her all the time which i would imagine men are yeah yeah yeah. so i think it's uncomfortable for both of them so it creates this defensive uh verbal jousting yeah yeah have it's great that's a a great (laughs) characterization there that they're both like i've never seen someone like you before right and like i just have to oh i just have to take it down a notch or (laughs) take it take you down a peg and um but even when he sees her in the outfit and she comes up and she's like, I made you this CD. Let's dance with your big, strong arms. Like, oh, he doesn't seem repulsed like he wants to think he would be. Like, mm-hmm. he's um thrown off by it and a little bit opposed to it. But he's certainly, like, there's a part of him that is very okay with it. Yeah, yeah. And um, to flash forward gal. to the end of the episode, um, his mom, Martha, is like... She's like, red kryptonite has never changed who you are, what you want. It just strips away inhibitions and filters. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like, a part of him wants to kiss Lois already. And um, in such a petty way that he takes her to Oliver Queen's apartment Mm -hmm. and uh, makes out with her there. Um, Because he has this envy of Green Arrow. Because Green Arrow is a a regular man who's become a superhero by the force of his own will. And Clark's a little bit jealous because he was born with powers and that's why right. he's cool. He feels forced into it, yeah. whereas Oliver Queen was noble enough to choose it. And mm-hmm. I think that really gets at his own nobility yeah. that he thinks he has. And Definitely. he's having a great time, too. Oliver Queen is like a really happy-go-lucky kind of like right. swashbuckling adventurer. He's and- with Lois even though she doesn't know his secret, which Clark is like, you can't do that. It never worked out for me, so it can't yeah. work out for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's definitely very jealous of him. I think that's... Because it is really petty. Like, he takes her to his apartment mm-hmm. and was like, he was the Green Arrow and he was lying about it and all that. And um, so then he finds Lana and Lex's engagement party invitation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, we got a party to crash. Yeah. And, uh, you know, puts on his all black leather jacket. <laughs> uh, I love Superman's idea of what, like, being tough is. <laughs> Because it just—it's kind of like Peter Parker in Spider-Man Three. Oh gosh. Where it's just like the nerdiest boy interpretation of like what is cool. yeah. It's the hot topic, like tough guys. Like, I'm my dad owns a black shirt. I'm gonna put this on <laughs> and like I'll really show him. He like muscles up his hair a little bit. Right, and, I'm gonna comb my hair to the side. And, and they treat down the middle. Yeah, Red Kryptonite like it's cocaine. In the series, like mm-hmm. in the comics, Red Kryptonite has just random effects on Kryptonians. Like, oh really? It turns his head into an ant head in one issue. <laughs> oh, one time it gave him a beard. One time it made him colorblind. It was like a 70s Silver Age transformative, this like plot device thing to make like right. weird covers. Just wild card. Yeah, yeah. But in this, it always just makes them like hypersexual and right. kind of like talk fast and sweaty. So it's just blow. <laughs> and it's really weird. And and when Clark is like in, in this persona, he calls himself Cal. Right, right. And they go, yeah, they and they go break up like the, the Lana Lang dinner. Right. And, he, and they're all like, he's on something. Yeah, that's, time. that's the key line for the rest of the episode. Um, yeah, he starts taking shots at his mom for being there. She, like, why are you at my ex-girlfriend's engagement dinner? And like, Chloe, I can't say I haven't thought about us, even though I'm macking on your cousin. And yeah. like, Lana, 
obviously I'm still in love with you and this guy's a tool and just goes on this very uncharacteristic uh just misogyny terror <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> it's so Archie comics too because he's so de- he's defined by like the different eras of his life by the woman he's with right and he's like, like <laughs> nobody date anybody but me but nobody date me either because I'm Superman <laughs> right because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you my secret and mm-hmm. all that important stuff but uh you know don't date anybody else um including Lex and Jimmy yeah yeah um, and his mom is shacked up with Lex's dad right. now, and like you said. So yeah, he's like going and uh, ruining the, the social engagement. <laughs> yes. So we're going to make like Smallville and break for a commercial right now. Okay. So that's happening. All right, and we're back. Let's do this. So we're talking about Lana Lang's engagement uh, dinner that Clark busted up. Yes. And all the various uh, plot threads they're tying up in this scene where he's like, he's uh, talking to Chloe about still loving her and all that jazz. You take it from here. Um, well, I just wanted to say about Lex and Lana. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really see it unless you've watched the first few seasons, but they kind of are chiseled into this kind of messed up perfect person for the other one because every time Clark has to leave or Clark can't tell Lana what happened or something weird happens that he can't explain she just grows more and more mistrusting and uh, jaded almost and curious and um, that's what eventually drives her to Lex who has been betrayed and deceived his whole life even by Clark who was like his best friend and um, I just think they have this really good chemistry and um even in this episode, you see the kind of similarities they have to each other, like the way Lex keeps his car after he crashes into Clark. Lana somehow watched the scene, still can't figure out how she did it, but when uh, Lex and Clark kind of show down, um, Lex tries to hit him with a chisel, and it like, yeah. it um, bends mm-hmm. instead of uh, hurting him, and she was somehow able to grab that on the way out and observes it and studies it the way Lex did with this like dark curiosity and betrayal really that they just want to get to the bottom of it because he won't let them and um do you think clark kind of ruined lana for men because she can't trust anybody she's like like, lex luther is an evil lying scheming machiavellian piece of garbage but so was my high school boyfriend (laughs) and and my dad died when i was young so i have nothing to to then so she doesn't she thinks men are just that's kind of what i'm getting at is like he made her the perfect woman for Lex Luthor. Like horrible. Lex Luthor finds his finds his match in like women who are, who are willing to deceive and blackmail, like she does. Like a few episodes earlier, she uh, threatens this doctor that is studying this Kryptonian artifact um, against turning to Lionel with it, mm-hmm. and she like threatens him and is kind of really intimidating for the uh, small delicate angel she yeah, is, yeah. but. Um, he has turned her into this, like, willing to blackmail, willing to, you know, um, go behind somebody's back, willing to lie and all of that. And um, 
she just wasn't like that in the beginning. You know, she was very, I don't, she was dating a football player. Like she was very normal. She was Despite very Despite having square. her parents killed by a meteor. Yeah. Right. She was very happy. Go yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she wore the necklace that, of the thing that killed him, for God's sake. Do you think Lex was really into her? Or do you think that it's just that he's trying to reprise his youth and it's Clark's girlfriend, so like Clark couldn't date her, but I can date her. And that's the one thing I can do better than him is to show her a good time. I've never thought about it like that, but that's a very good point because, um, well, like he always has this want to kind of maintain a relationship with her. Like first they're business partners and mm-hmm. then they're kind of friends and then there's like this tension between them and... Um, Eventually they start dating because they find this common curiosity and um, it's hard to say. Well, just because it's hard to imagine like somebody that cruel and evil as Lex Luthor could ever really love someone. Mm. I mean, that's another topic for another time probably. But um, yeah, just to say like, I got her from you, like I got her right out from under you. Yeah. you know, it didn't take her more than five minutes to turn to me. And it clearly hurts Clark to see yeah. them together as we see in this, in this episode. And I think... As hot as she is, I think that turns him on more than she does, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, he has this weird thing with Clark more than with Lana, for sure. Yeah. They should have just all dated together. <laughs> right. If it was, like, made today, they would all have a Tumblr, <laughs> and it would be a poly triad. Oh, my God. It would be, there'd be no dram- dramatic tension at all. You should write for that show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reboot it. <laughs> Speaking of, so we talked about uh, Oliver Queen earlier. Do you watch the new DC shows? Which oh, were all yeah. They should think their Lucky Stars Smallville was on TV. Oh, they would it, not be around if Smallville hadn't paved the way, yeah, for sure. No one knew who Green Arrow was before Smallville. No, no like, random teenagers had any idea. Right, and I, um, like, I, I'm always one of the rare people who sides with Green Arrow, like, in the weird Green Arrow versus Green Lantern debate, just because Green Arrow was Is the... Is there f- a green beef between... Yeah, I don't know why that <laughs> subject comes up sometimes, but, um, because Green Arrow was one of the first, like, other heroes I saw through this show that I was introduced to and like I loved him because he was so campy mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like he was Robin just Hood. the OG campy Green Arrow like he was brilliant um and yeah I think Smallville definitely paved the way for like Arrow and Flash like especially because Flash um definitely does kind of the freak of the week thing that all yeah. ties back to one catastrophic event in Smallville, it's the meteor shower, and in mm-hmm. the Flash, it's the particle accelerator explosion. And, yeah. Um, in our last class, we learned that it was a story engine, right? That's right. That's what the thing is called. Yeah. yeah. It's like the Hellmouth and Buffy. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, um, but rewatching Smallville, I see that kind of dominate the first two, three seasons. Mm-hmm. And then um, the fourth, fifth, sixth, it kind of gets more conceptual. Like sure. you have the episodes where there's not really a villain. It's like, you know, Lex Luthor and Oliver Queen trying to figure out who from their old uh, boarding school is killing their old classmates Mm. or like Crimson where it's like there's no villain it's just interpersonal tension that needs to be solved and it's really Clark versus himself in this one too right literally there's like different names and different costumes and stuff (laughs) yeah pretty on the nose which I would definitely like to see Flash because you know that Freak of the Week thing it's good for character development just to see how each character acts in different situations Mm -hmm. um but in terms of a more cohesive seasonal arc, mm-hmm. I would like to see Flash go in that direction. Sure, um, sure. Arrow's pretty good at that because um, Arrow fun. clung more to the uh, dramatic soap opera <laughs> darkness yeah, that yeah. Smallville had. It's real murdery. But my friend uh, John Morris <laughs> said that it's like if people from a whiskey commercial were told to make a TV show. Like all the actors. Like it's so big <laughs> and broad and weird. And, right. Yeah. Arrow's funny. Do you know that like a... So Green Hornet came out and it flopped and Green Lantern came out and it flopped mm. and the TV show is going to be called Green Arrow, but they're like, people don't like green. 
<laughs> so oh, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> and then now it's on for, it's like eight years later. I'm sure that executive got a raise. They're like, you did it, Carl. Like, right. people don't like green. You saved the franchise. <laughs> Must have been the name. Yeah. But this season of Smallville, season six, actually had the episode Justice, right? Yes. Where it's like Cyborg and Aquaman and, and uh, the Kid Flash Impulse character. And... I watched that this morning. Yeah. Oh, nerd. Yeah, there's a little, <laughs> I have the DVD here where you open it up. Oh, God, not Cyborg that. and all of them. <laughs> I love it so much. That they're, scene. The CW versions of their costumes where they're just like, they show maximum bicep. <laughs> right. It's so funny to me. Very, very, yeah, for the fangirls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you, so you haven't seen the Aquaman pilot, right? I did not have time to I'm going to bring that, that if you, unless you found it online. Oh, I'm sure I, I can find it. Gotcha. I'm I've got a hard determined. copy, so. <laughs> Do you really? I don't fuck around. I don't mess around when it comes to the small girls. But, but yeah. So, I just love Justin Hartley so much. Like, so he's the Green Arrow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he was, he was so good just because he was so like, campy but not like, a lot of the uh, guest stars that they had like Jonathan Taylor Thomas and stuff. Where it was like, oh, he was this in is... Smallville. He was, yeah, he was this weird guy who could what? like clone himself, and he dated Chloe and Lana remember at the that same now. time. Oh, it oh, was yeah, he had glasses right for like one. I of think them. so. Oh, JTT. But yeah, there are so many campy characters who were like dedicated to their campiness, and like I think. Uh, Green Arrow is kind of goofy about it, mm-hmm. which is what it should be. You know, that's very much, you know, Wentworth Miller became the master of that as a Captain Cold in uh, in Flash and Legends so of great. Tomorrow. So great. I love that the Green Arrow in this universe, when he shoots you, his arrows and crossbow bolts have tasers in them so you don't <laughs> die. So he'll like shoot you in the heart with a crossbow, but then you're stunned. Right. It's so yeah. good. It's, I love superheroes so much. Right. The Aquaman show. I wish that I wish I'd gotten off the ground because the Aquaman, like the character or the the actor uh, in the show who plays Green Arrow, was great. And then also the character yeah. of Aquaman in Smallville really teaches Superman like that uh, the right doing the right thing to do doesn't always mean doing the legal thing. Like he yeah. steals dolphins from SeaWorld all the time, <laughs> right. and, and like Electric is polluting the sea, so he just goes and blows up his oil refineries. And like he's a vigilante more than Superman's ever been. Like he breaks the law on purpose because it's the morally right thing to do. Right, which would have been cool if he was around more to uh, develop that, because when Green Arrow comes, like, a season later, Mm -hmm. he does that same thing because he's stealing, like, jewels and artifacts from rich people who got them off the black market. Mm -hmm. And um, he's very like, well, if if you think you know what's right, like, why don't you take this jewel back to its proper owner? Like, is it Lionel Luther? Is it the black market? Mm -hmm. Is it wherever they got it from? And um, then Green Arrow stays along a little bit, and you know he has this Justice League that Clark works with for an episode, and he question makes him question like, "Are you really against blowing up thirty three point one? You know, mm-hmm. like, do you really want him to experiment on more of your friends or more yeah, innocent yeah. people?" And um, I think that is really important because um, you know, I would like to think that Superman will never truly waver from legality and morality that he has in his mind, sure, but. Sure. Um, it is nice to bring around characters that he can relate to that make him question that. But challenge him, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's such a great show. I love that they can show those different aspects of heroism and different paths and all of that. Even right. Lana Lang eventually becomes a superhero, which right, doesn't happen the in the comics. Suit. Yeah, oh, no. they go back to season oh, one, no. where she's kryptonite-powered, so Clark can't be in the same room as her. Just like in episode <laughs> one, you so guys, dramatic. do you remember? It's so dramatic. They can't be near each other. Oh, my goodness. It's so great. <laughs> Because she's his kryptonite. She's like his said. kryptonite. Does it ever bum you out that in this world there is there is no DC Comics? So them being teenagers, they have different reference points. 
Like they would never. There's no three doors down in this universe because they never had a hit single called Kryptonite. Like it's, it's and they they make fake comics and it's called the Bald Angel. Warrior Angel. Oh, the Warrior bald Angel. Is <laughs> it Warrior Angel? It's Warrior Angel. Oh, he's he bald, is bald. Though. And Lex loved him because he was Lex bald. Lex loved him because he was bald. I love that you just mocked me over. You're like Bald Angel's ridiculous. It's called Warrior Angel because that's <laughs> less ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that was just so funny. It bummed me out when they had fake comics in this. I wish that they had, like, Spider-Man. It'd be really funny um, if they liked Marvel. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I would not be a big fan of that. Um, but I like it, though. Like, I, it's part of the reasons I like uh, Hellboy. Like, they make up their own mythology and incorporate it into the story. And, like, in this... Because, you know, for people who like comics, superheroes and villains are kind of like gods and goddesses mm-hmm. and kind of our religion, our mythology. and um, Like ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go so far as to make up a fictional world in the fictional world and mm. I think that's really sophisticated it's a oh, word for small no one has ever angel. called smallville sophisticated before in the history of the franchise well, then they're I'm not very watching excited. Close enough. Oh, I like that it's a very lowest <laughs> attitude I respect that a lot did you finish the series yes I actually yeah I just you did get a like few a months ago you should get like a little ribbon <laughs> yeah, a few months ago right so I I watched I found it on season six, and then I watched back all the way up to that. And then I watched a little bit of season seven, and then yes. I got friends and kind of fell off watching <laughs> as much TV. Oh, man, um, the enemy of TV watching, friends. <laughs> and then last year, discovered it was like on Hulu and decided to watch the few seasons that I hadn't um, seen yet. So, um, Which I'm glad I did because I saw the ISIS episode and it meant that much more to me and stuff like that and also one of the things i love the most about smallville is all of the uh, characters they brought to live action for the first time sure um like plastique and satana and amanda waller and rick flag and oh um, yeah shoot yeah pam greer played uh, pam greer played amanda waller it was kind of awesome yeah Yeah. yeah. foxy Brown. brown yeah yeah amanda waller um and it's actually funny because the um, the actor who played Rick Flag in Smallville plays a general in Suicide Squad, like the one that she's at oh, dinner really? with. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I forgot that. Amy Adams is in Smallville, too. She eats a deer. Yes. Oh, in the fat suit. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, she like has an eating disorder really un- insensitively because it's 2002. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those... And now she's Lois Lane. Yikes. <laughs> the Professor Hamilton character is in Man of Steel. Is he? Yeah. Oh. Like he's in one of the science rooms. He's just like a guy pressing keys in the background that gave him like a per diem and a sandwich and he got to be in Man of Steel <laughs> but I like that character a lot do they address him like do they acknowledge that he no no I no. Mean, I, I gasped and clutched my pearls in the theater <laughs> but no one else cared at all <laughs> well they didn't cool. develop any characters at all in that movie so you hey, can't blame us that much hey I mean... all of you come back for that <laughs> talk about Small versus Man of Steel oh gosh so good so uh, but you love Suicide Squad I love Suicide Squad and you mentioned squad. that a lot of the, the squad characters appeared first in Smallville so that's exciting yes do you credit Smallville for the squad um, well Suicide Squad did appear in Smallville um, they did they're called Task Force X right right I don't think they ever actually suicide. called them by their uh, affectionate this nickname. is a, a pre-suicide don't have any Will world. Smith to add that uh, golden line in there yeah <laughs> <laughs> what is this like a Suicide Squad trademark copyright DC Comics <laughs> is the full line <laughs> and then welcome to Earth um but I definitely think Smallville showed that like you can bring these kind of fringe characters that maybe not everybody knows about totally and if you um establish them well enough in the context of characters people do know mm-hmm. 
then it can be really successful because you're adding things people know and like and things people don't know and are curious about. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, but as much as I love Suicide Squad, like one point from Smallville um, makes me have a problem with it. Like Rick Flagg in Smallville is defined as like spending so much time with metahumans and looking after them and guiding them that he identifies as one. Mm-hmm. Which I almost wish they went into on Suicide Squad because he falls in love with this sorceress lady. Like, I wish it showed um, some more development and that that love could happen because he identified with... Sure. But um, it happened in different order, yeah. I guess. Well, I um, guess 10 years of stuff versus two hours of a movie. It's right. kind of hard to develop. But yeah. yeah. But, and, like, Cyborg came out in Smallville. Yeah. And then now he's in the Justice League movie, and that's pretty cool. Right. I like that because you see it doesn't own any black dudes. <laughs> He's just on every team. Like when they when they have the Teen Titans, he's thirteen. When they have Justice League, he's thirty four. Like any any team. Right. Let's not make a new black character. Let's just uh yeah. let's just fit him for the context. He's awesome though. He's like Robocop. DC Robocop. <laughs> the coolest thing ever. Yeah, no, I love him and um the character who plays him in Smallville, he almost has similar like inflections and uh tone of voice to the uh voice actor who did Cyborg for uh, the Teen Titans yeah, I'm sure animated series. Yeah. He also played the famous Jet Jackson on that Disney show. Jet Jackson. Did you ever watch that? It's called the famous Jet Jackson. It was like a Disney oh, show. No. I'm like 9,000 years one. older than you. I'm aging as we're podcasting. I guess everyone is. It's, yeah. All, just visibly. All dying. It's okay. Oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> so yeah, Smallville's the best thing ever. There's a flash in this show too, but right. it's, it's not the Bart Barry Allen. Allen. It's yes. Bart. It's the impulse character. But um, on the... Uh, Suicide Squad v. Smallville. Oh, yes, 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 Um, yes. I do like both of them do something that's awesome, which is show what I think of as a realistic Amanda Waller. Like, it's funny because I've watched all the special features for Suicide Squad, Mm -hmm. and John F. Ostrander is on there talking about how he wanted to introduce this strong African-American woman and show her, like, in power and show Mm -hmm. her really smart. But she looks like this horrible beast of a woman. Like, she barely looks human. Like, they make her big and boxy and it's Especially so has the unflattering. name the wall right I'm right end of the wall waller yeah. and then it doesn't get much better between that and the justice league animated series like she's a bit more feminine you know she has like curly hair but still very big and boxy and then in arrow to flash forward to the most recent she's like 25 or something it doesn't huh. make any sense because amanda waller is supposed to be where she is because she rose up through military ranks yeah and has paid her dues and seen some shit. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I think both Pam Greer and Viola Davis were good at like they were attractive women, but they were older. They were, yeah. They seemed experienced. They seemed hardened, not just because that's how they were, but because of what they've been through. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, so I really liked them both a lot more than I liked the animated version or the uh, the young Arrow version. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's funny in comics that when we make women strong, we make them masculine. Right. Because that's the <laughs> yeah. standard for strength. And I'm the farthest thing from a feminist, but that still Whoa. bothers me a lot. That'll be our next podcast <laughs> where we talk about the definition of words. <laughs> <laughs> I would identify as that, I think, but we let's keep talking about Smallville stuff. So yeah, uh, it's great to see all these characters in live action. Ten years um, I wish that it ex- had expanded past uh, into the the new franchises. Like, do you do you wish that Arrow was part of the continuity of Smallville and they kept going that way? Um, I do kind of. Um, I love Stephen Amell and Justin Hartley mm-hmm. both as Green Arrow, but um, 
it would be cool to kind of introduce some overlap to kind of continue that universe because it did so much for comics, especially as a TV show. Um, which, yeah, I don't really watch Supergirl that much, mm-hmm. but um, I know Tom Welling has turned down having a role on there because he's like, it's a different universe. Oh, really? I'm not going to be Superman. Interesting. Um, Erica Durant's just got cast. I heard. I'm so excited. Yeah. What role is she playing? Do you know? I think she's going to be Kara's mom. Oh, really? If I read that's that right cool. this morning. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. I'm glad because she's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. She's a great <laughs> Lois for sure. For sure. So you got into comics after Smallville. Are there any uh, comic stories that you read that inspired Smallville that you that you like remembered or that you liked better in Smallville? For instance, like the Doomsday character, I mm. like more in Smallville than in the comics. Oh God, he was so cool. He's like well, the I'm just, Hulk. Oh, of. I just I love that guy so much because like um, it wasn't until Injustice that mm. I started getting into like non Nintendo video games, and then from there, I started playing like Force Unleashed one and two. And, like, I'm just such a big fan of Sam Witwer. Like, he can just do no wrong, and he was an awesome doomsday. Oh, yeah. He's in S.H.I.E.L.D. too, right? The Marvel show. I've never seen he's that. Like a hybrid is he really? Because, <laughs> yeah. of course, he is. And he's the voice of the Emperor, right? You know him better than I do. What else is he in? Uh, well, he's, yeah, he's the voice of a lot of Star Wars characters, like Darth Maul. Oh, in, cool. Uh, on the cartoon? In the Clone Wars? Hmm. Um, or not the Clone Wars. What's the. Yeah, the Clone Wars. Um, we'll edit in here. The <laughs> Mason will say, he'll drop it in. Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Right. Clone Wars. <laughs> um, and yeah, and he's in like a rock band. And What are they called, do you know? The Crash Tones. The Crash Tones. You should do like a hip hop, like, Crash Tones like Cypress cover. Hill, like <laughs> new metal, rap rock. Dude, anything, anything for Sam Witwer. Oh my God. All right. <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean, he has his own likeness and voice turned into this Star Wars character and that's not something anybody's done like the video game even though 10 years like graphics weren't quite what they are today like it looks just like him and it obviously sounds just like him because it's his voice um and he was Doomsday in Smallville which is funny because Doomsday is this big giant hulking bone monster right and then he's like a hot guy (laughs) so (laughs) brutal. it's very CW it's very CW even Doomsday gets like abs in a package it's the most amazing thing ever I like that in Smallville He's an EMT guy, so like he goes and destroys things, and then he turns back into his human right. form. He's like, "I'm here to rescue people." That's I a very love cool the idea. ambiguity they give to him of like, who could have done this? Like, because he thinks he knows where he was, and mm-hmm. um, he doesn't really acknowledge that he has this time unaccounted for and this blood and ripped clothes unaccounted for. And um, even in the episode where he kind of crashes Chloe and Jimmy's wedding, like it's all very uh, Cloverfield handheld footage you know it's all very um ambiguous and mysterious um was this before cloverfield or after do you know i think it was after like like pre-chrono okay cool 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 yeah it's interesting that like they they have that element in there for sure because they don't have the budget to show an awesome doomsday so they (laughs) like they edit around it with found right and And when they did show him like as doomsday like it was kind of underwhelming yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) like i love that season and i love the stories they did with him but in his physical doomsday form, it was kind of like, uh, technology's not quite there yet. Very rubber monster, like Roger Corman kind yeah. of thing. It's still better than Batman v Superman, oh, surprisingly. Well, I mean, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that that Lex Luthor just made me want to cry, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He put a hard candy in another grown man's mouth like that. Michael <laughs> Rosenbaum would never do shit like that. It made me so sad. <laughs> oh man that's amazing that's amazing so what comics did you start reading after smallville 
Um, for some reason, I started reading Batman comics. Hmm. Um, I don't remember turning much to Superman comics. Um, it was mostly Batman, and then um, well, I still feel kind of um, like I'm cheating a little bit on a golden apple being here because <laughs> when I was like 16 and could drive, I started going around to comic shops because I just had them like digitally up until that. Oh sure. Um, so I started going to comic book shops, and every store I went to, a clerk would walk up to me and be like, "So, are you uh looking for a gift for somebody oh, no. or something?" Uh, <laughs> I know? apologize for comics. I'm sorry. <laughs> And so I went to Golden Apple, and the guy walked up to me, and he was like, hey, what are you looking for? And I was like, I'm just looking. Like, can you recommend anything? And um, he recommended Birds of Prey to me, which I um, actually have a panel from that oh, comic tattooed tattoo? on my oh, arm. I never noticed that in class. That's great. What does the dialogue balloon say? Uh, well, what a small, sarcastic world it is. Aw, I love that. Um, so, you... yeah, eventually I got into, like, Birds of Prey and, cool. like, Batgirl and Batwoman. and um, Awesome. Yeah, very female dominated. But, um, yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's cool. <laughs> did you ever watch the Birds of Prey TV show on the WB? I I bought the DVDs. Yeah, you did. A couple yeah, months ago, and I watched a few episodes, and I haven't gotten back oh, to it because no. I wasn't super compelled to keep watching. So fun fact: when that show got canceled, they gave all of the sets to Smallville. So Oliver Queen's uh, clock tower oh apartment is Barbara Gordon's uh, clock right. tower base. That makes from a lot Birds of, of sense. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, props will show up from Birds of Prey <laughs> right. a lot. Well, I guess now I can watch it for research yeah. and not have to give a shit about how a video is. <laughs> I like, um, did you ever read like the Earth 2 comics? No. So it's based on the Earth 2. I like that like it's Bruce Wayne and Catwoman's daughter because right. like, they had a happy yeah. ending eventually and that's adorable. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, shoot. Oh, no, man. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. So yeah, uh, thank God that you liked Smallville because no one else in the world that I know likes Smallville. <laughs> and you gave me an excuse or to watch Squad, it. Or Suicide Squad, probably. Yes! <laughs> we both have terrible taste. Let's be Yay. friends. This is amazing. I should have you back on to talk about Suicide Squad later. Oh, any time. We'll yeah, I had so many things I was going to say, but I, uh, yeah, we'll save them for another time. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Well, this was great. Thank you for the excuse to watch Smallville. Oh, thank you for the uh, excuse to uh, ramble about it. Let's just close with like a 45-minute wrap. <laughs> yep, you start. I'll I'll throw a fat beat down. Mason, <laughs> kick. Uh, never mind. No, you're not gonna do it. You're not gonna do it. All right, we'll we'll get a song from you to play right now. Oh, huh? we're gonna do I it. Could, I'll maybe do that. It. All right. Well, thank you so much. Where can people find you online, both as yourself and your alter ego? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram as Ali Tom, uh, A L I T O M, or SoundCloud as Isis Three Six. But uh. Enter at your own risk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yay. Yay. Ooh, super friends with Eric Esquivel.